Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 506, Mr. Samich. Keeneland closing day, huzzah! Boom. Closing day is, is this Saturday, October 20th. We're looking at the late pick five. But speaking of Keeneland and closing, Michael Austin oh needs the uh, 245 to close out the pick six today at Keeneland. And we had talked about doing the pick six because I was like, well, closing day means mandatory payouts for the thing. People will ask for the pick six. And you said there's no way it's carrying today. Uh, if, if Michael uh, Michael hits this, maybe it won't carry. Maybe he can just take it all home himself. Well, I, I like the chat is just like the definition of Keeneland. Michael Olson, like, hey, I need the two, four, five. Shotty in here saying I got the four, eight, nine, double. Chris jumping in, I need three, seven, eight. I'm sitting here wanting the seven for tournaments. I mean, this is it's it's every single <laughs> race, and that's what we're going to talk about today for this late pick five too. You could literally make an argument for seven, eight horses in a lot of these fields, and it felt the same way in the pick six today. I found my single. I got a single home at six to one. I don't think I'm going to go four out of six in the damn thing. Like it's it's ridiculous how tough. <laughs> This Keeneland card can be, uh, and, and we've seen it this entire meet. And this week, obviously, with back-to-back carryover days, with this $1 pick six just shows you how difficult it's been, got, been to get to some of these. We've had multiple chances for pick five carryovers on Wednesday and Thursday cards opening up this, this week. So just an absolutely wide layer of breeze blocking the four and seven. A lot of four and sevens, it sounds like. So if you want the four, seven exact the box, let's see if we can get that one home for the Magic Mike community. But yeah, uh, <laughs> really tough Keelan card again on Saturday. We talked about this a little before the show. I found this really, really difficult. I forced myself to single, uh, and it's a horse you're not using, which kind of shows you exactly how Keeneland is. But we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens here as we grind this thing out. Uh, yeah, the, well, so I have a dollar ticket because mine's actually for 50 cents, just $36. So if you wanted to add Mike's single in the last that I'm not using, it just makes my ticket $40. And we have a lot of agreement in some of these other races. I thought it was a fun sequence. It was kind of like a, almost like a little primer for the Breeders' Cup because you've got a two furlong, or, or sorry, a two furlong, a, a two-year-old six furlong sprint stakes. You've got a turf mile stakes. You've got a dirt route stakes, which to me looked like the C-Squad of like, well, Breeders' Cup Classic was what you might have hoped for. You're definitely not of that caliber. So this is where you go, and it's like, oh, boy, that's a that race is a giant mess. And then lots of fun two-year-olds at the end in that maiden special weight. Yeah, I mean, really, really interesting four races to kind of kick it off. Even the, the non-stakes race, 150K allowance. I mean, it's, it's a lot of very good horses that are running in there as well. So just a really fun overall set. Uh, I like you got one California sprinter coming on to take on some of the East Coast sprinters. Just to get you a little bit of that Breeders' Cup vibe, like you said, to get an idea of which side you want to go, which coast you want to look at for those sprint races. Uh, man. Just a, a lot, a lot of fun races here. I'm looking forward to talking about this. And the ninth race, which is your feature, I, I, I stared at that thing for a good half hour. And I'm still not confident where I ended up with. So it's going to be a tough, tough sequence to get through. But it's going to pay, which has been the nice part about this whole Keeneland meet. You get one or two of these pick fives home, you're up for the meet. Uh, if you get one pick six home, you're crushing it for the meet right now. So hopefully we can get uh, get to a little eight pick five winner here. Yeah, I got it. I got the Keelan feed pulled up on uh, on my end here, so I'll try and keep it over 13 minutes to post on that. So we'll see if we can get that home uh, from Michael Austin and whomever is the lucky person who sp he split the ticket with. Michael picked all the horses, but still ponied up 50 percent of the purse. I don't know about or the cost. I don't know about that one. Uh, it helps. <laughs> it makes it a 50 cent pick six, which makes it a little easier to stomach sometimes. No, I'm saying why does he only get 50 percent if he did all the work? 
Money talks. Like he man. should get a lot more than fifty percent of the prize if he cashes. That's all I'm saying. Nah, you don't. You don't do very many group tickets with your your dad or anything, do you? No, I do not. No. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, you don't get more more of the percentage just because you do the work. Uh, I didn't want to bring this up because I've seen this in our, our YouTube comments. Yield Car Press has been great about that. By the way, Breeders' Cup season's here, and uh, you can get excited for that. And Edel Carprez asking, is there a chance Buku can win the Juvenile Phillies turf? Uh, we kind of talked about that before, Mike, but we both like this filly. She's interesting. Yeah, really deep race. Uh, a lot of good U.S. contingent. We don't have the best from Europe coming over, which I think it makes it easier for a North American horse to be able to get the job done. Easier. Easier. Not, not easy. Easier. Uh, and I, I think Buchu's in the, the short list for me in the US, or the North American horses. I think there's four of them uh, that I'm going to take a long look at. I know Hard to Figure's in there. There's a Sherry DeVoe horse uh, that I like quite a bit that's running there. But last race for Buchu, live, phenomenal at Keeneland. I thought that was a really, really good effort. If she can take a step forward off that, she makes a ton of sense in that race. If you want to get all of our in-depth thoughts on that race and every other race at uh, oh something happened in Keeneland uh, on the Breeders' Cup, make sure you check out the Breeders' Cup betting bible. It's available for pre-sale right now. If you get that, it'll also include the 14 trends to know for the Breeders' Cup that is available. So if you do purchase pre-purchase the betting bible, you'll get the 14 trends to carry you over. Lots of great information in there. Uh, there's one 12 for 15 angle in one race that is very strong. So. Check that out for your betting purposes. But speaking of betting, Mike, let's get into things here at Keeneland, a Saturday, October 20th, closing day, the late pick five. Riders up. All right, Mike, here we go. Kicking off the late pick five at Keelan on Saturday, October 28th. Race six, the Bowman Mill Stakes, nine two-year-olds sprinting six furlongs on the dirt, including one filly, the number three Royal Slipper. Neither of us are using her here. Who's your top pick? Yeah, a Royal Slipper looked really good first out for Wesley Ward. The water's a little deeper here. A lot of speed signed on as well, which is something we'll definitely talk about here. And because of that speed, I went to the five-horse Patriot Spirit on top, eight to one on the morning line. Flavian Pratt picks up them out. Look back to that race, two back at Colonial, where this horse was able to stalk from an outside post and be able to make a nice run. Yes, it possesses a lot of early seat speed. We saw that going a mile at Churchill. Look, that that was not a good spot in the Iroquois to try and make the lead there. Went 22 and 144 and three. Uh, I like that that seven furlong race at Colonial. I like the fact that we know this horse can pass horses, can stalk and make a run. I think Pratt's going to sit this one right behind the, the top tier speed and cutting back in distance here from that seven furlongs, the mile, and now back to the six, I think makes the difference here for Pi Patriot Spirit, who is at eight to one, I think a pretty nice price here. Yeah, yeah, I like this horse as well. I went too deep. Uh, you used both of my horses here. Now, this wasn't my top pick, but this is the reason I didn't single in this race with the other horse because I really like that strong debut win, stalked the pace three wide. You think that's going to probably be a very similar trip. If he wants to win, that's the trip he's probably going to have to have here. And not only a major jockey upgrade to Flavian Pratt, but a major odds improvement. You see he's 8-1. to one. Mm -hmm. His first two starts, he was 2-1 to one and 3-1. to one. Like, hello, value. Yes, please, sign up for it. Now, I know the Keeneland odds are sometimes a little off uh, compared to the morning line, so maybe we don't get 8-1, to one, but still... Uh, you know, I like that we're cutting back to six furlongs here. Sharpens him up. Again, helps him with sitting off the pace. And have plenty left to power home. So we agreed on the five Patriot spirit. Uh, Shadi brings up the other horse that I used here. And you also used, hello again, Normandy Hero on the rail for Rudy Brissett. Showed last time out 
that he could break from the rail in a large field stalk and kick clear while passing horses on the inside. It was an interesting race because he and uh, I think it was the two Valentine Candy, right? They were <clears throat> Valentine Candy was leading and Normandy Hero was behind him on the rail. And about the 516th pole, Castanon tried to take him outside and realized, well, there's a bunch of horses out here. If I do that, it's going to cause a wreck. So we had to literally just wait and wait and wait. Finally, in the stretch, the hole opens up. That is follows on the rail. He just ends up scooting up it and taking off. I really firmly believe that if he'd been able to just go wide like he'd originally intended, he just powers past him and go, wow, he sat, he stalked, he went around when he needed to, and off he went. And uh, Alex Deschard is a great jockey. He's doing a really great job in the Kentucky circuit. So 1-5 for me in here. Did I miss any points about why you liked the one Normandy hero? No, I I, I, I watched that race back, and I... I think we kind of disagree a little bit about it i thought norman de hero got a perfect trip that day um was clearly not the fastest horse and so had to kind of change tactics i thought it was really mm -hmm. impressive that he was able to change tactics and able to make that rail move with something as a younger horse a pretty tough move to make so i thought that was a positive but here we are with more speed in my mind than that last race and normandy hero gonna be stuck on that rail again I, i'm worried about the trip because if i, I realize yeah, if he swings out and he's able to get loose, you, you think he runs big. I, I thought the two fought pretty hard. Um, and that, to me, was was one of the big differences there That and just kind of how we saw that race. I still think Normandy Hero deserves to be used over the two, and I'm not going to use them both. I am going to just use the one. Uh, but I don't think that this – I think Normandy Hero is going to go off at a much shorter price than 5-2. to two. I think you're probably going to stare down something like – we'll call it 7-5, to 8-5. to five. And that's where I start to get more and more concerned about this horse who is coming off a perfect trip. A lot of times – one of the best ways to be able to find prices and avoid favorites is a favorite running back on a perfect trip and a horse who got a bad trip last time who should project to get a better one. And to me, uh, I don't think Valentine Candy is necessarily getting a better trip. And that's one of the reasons I'm not using the two horse. I, I think the one trip could be much worse. And we'll see if that rail opens again or if we're able to work out a little bit better of a spot. But again, like the fact that we were able to pass horses, like the fact we were able to come and cut side, no issues with the chart taking them out. So, so I'm going to use the one Normandy hero again, but uh, I don't, I'm not as excited about him as you. I actually have him in third. Give me, give me Glenn Gary as number two horse here. I'm going to use the four as well. And I mentioned there's a ton of speed in here. I kind of think the four is the speed of the speed. Um, when you look at what this horse did last time at Prairie Meadow, and yeah, I realize it's Prairie Meadow. Horse went 21 and three, 44 and four. If you look at everyone else in here, no one's going 44 and four, except for maybe the five horse. And I think we both agreed the tactics are probably going to change a little bit on the five. I think the four is the speed of the speed. I like the fact that we ship in here with Anderson and the fact that Saez picks up the mount tells me something. On top of that, the decision was made almost immediately after that Prairie Meadows race to do this. He's got two works over this track. So they were pointing for this race as soon as that this that horse ran so well at Prairie Meadows. On top of that, we talk about how much is a stud fee versus how much is a sales price. Uh, maximum mischief, $7,500. This horse sells for $150K and then goes to Prairie Meadows. I mean, this is a, a horse that is loaded with talent. I think maybe it'll take this field gate to wire even with all this speed in here because I think he's just faster than everybody else. And you know size is going to send trying to run him off the toes. Uh, so I, I like the price on the four as well. I thought the, I almost went four or five here, went six to one and eight to one to kick it off. But like I said, I did find a single later. So I included the one Normandy hero in here as well. Not only did he, they pay that much for the horse, he's an Iowa bred, like no offense, but they paid that much for an Iowa bred. And then, like you said, 
kept him at Prairie Meadows. Like, the last race was against Iowa Breds. There probably was mostly Iowa Breds in that five-horse field in his debut. Uh, this is third up for me. And, and the reason I kept him off is because I'm just afraid that there's going to be a pace collapse. But if you get a scratch from the two, from the three, especially if both of them scratch, suddenly he's a lot more intriguing because he is just so lightning quick. And like I said, Saya is aboard. Really makes you pause and go... There's got to be something to this horse. And he's got the work over the local track. And I, back on uh, October 15th, that gave Saez and, and his agent, Kieran McLaughlin, the former trainer, plenty of time to see and think about, is this horse going to be able to handle it? So, yeah, I don't hate this pick at all. Yeah, and real quick on, on just Maximus mix, Mischief as well, the sire. So sold, was obviously into Mischief, sold for $340,000, uh, debuted at Parks, ran a 94 buyer, one second out at Parks, ran a 98 buyer, went to the Remsen, won the Remsen at Aqueduct with a 97 buyer, Ran in the Holy Bull, got hurt, never seen again. So yep. this is one of those horses where you don't really know how good this horse was because of how early it got, but you know, A, the horse is really precocious. And you've seen that in the progeny as well. When you look at the numbers here, first-time starters for Maximum Mischief, 23%, 14 wins and 59 tries. Two-year-olds, 19%, 27 wins and 141 efforts. Uh, like dirt sprinting, 21 wins and 103 efforts, 20% win percentage. He is wildly outperforming almost any other sire that you look at in these early classes, specifically with two-year-olds. And that's what he was so good at too. So when you see one of his kids who sells for this much when he stands for that little and then runs this well early, you kind of have to respect it no matter where they're coming from. Yeah, I remember Maximus Mischief very well. Um, he looked like he was going to have a really big career. Maybe was one of those horses that uh, past three years old you didn't think was going to do a whole lot, but he, he peaked or was very precocious early. But man, I think he's, I believe, because he's advertised this way, he's into Mischief's fastest son at stud from a speed figure standpoint. He's the fat, or fastest two-year-old uh, that Into Mischief has ever had was Maximus Mischief. I mean, I believe it, man. There's not many two-year-olds running 94, 98 buyers in their first two career starts <laughs> and winning a graded stakes running a 97 buyer to follow that up. I mean, that's blistering fast for that early in your career. We're two minutes to post here at uh, Keeneland Race 9 on Thursday as we're recording this live. We can keep an eye on this one here. Again, Michael needs 247, I believe, to get this. Or 245. 245 to get this one home. We'll move on to Race 7, the second leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 28th. It's not a stakes, but it might as well be, Mike. Lots of talent of talented horses in here, first of all. $140,000 purse. This is like a grade two in California. Nope, N4X allowance at Keeneland. 10 older males sprinting seven furlongs on the dirt. Nobody in for that optional 150 k tag. Where are you going on top? Yeah, we actually have a lot of people who are alive. I know Shadi's the four, four was a four, eight. Well, he nine. had the pick six. Sorry, that's why I did it. You know, it's, I, I cited him. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm just going over it a little bit. Chris okay. needs a three, seven, eight. Uh, Bree looking for the four of the seven. I was seven, five, three in that order in this race. So we'll see what happens there. The three, I think, is a little interesting at 10 to one. We'll see if uh, turf sprinting takes to this horse or not. But this is going to be a fun last one. We're about a minute out there at Keeneland. This is going to be a fun race here in this N1X, this allowance level. Uh, you've got Fortin Hill on the inside, a horse that loves Keeneland. I thought it ran really, really well here. Uh, when was it? Uh, April 8th, 2023. Yeah. I mean, so you, you got a, a good effort over the track. I respect Fortin Hill quite a bit. I'm going to end up with this horse on top because I think strategically this is going to be a great trip for this horse. The seven furlongs was something that Fortin Hill did well when trained by Bill Mott. Paul Lobo uh, hasn't had as much success, but has had run, run a couple of good races at the six and a half furlong level. Tried seven furlongs once. 
Uh, that was in the grade one Churchill Downs and Cody's Wish was in it. So not really going to hold anything <laughs> against Fortin Hill in that spot. This to me is one of those, again, tactical horses, has speed, should sit a very good trip and then can kick and close late. I think Fortin Hill could be really difficult here. If I wasn't singling late, I would have only gone two deep here with the one and the two. Traeger, the other horse I like coming in from Mark Latt. Flavian Pratt picks up the mount. It's a horse that seems to be on the improve, a four-year-old coming in from California. Uh, and I went a little bit deeper here. I did use a third horse, but to me, these were the two that I thought were the most interesting in this race. Yeah, I agree on both of those here. Uh, you know, Paulo Lobo, the trainer of Fortin Hill, he targets the Keeneland meets. That's something you talk about uh, quite often, especially the, the spring meet. And you saw that here with this horse. Long layoff, six and a half furlong, $130,000 purse. Allowance race, nope, comes right in, wins it pretty easily. Uh, by the way, beat Chasing Time, who's in this uh, in this field. Um, <clears throat> I agree with that on Traeger as well. Uh, I, I, I thought it was curious that he showed up here because he, in California, his option for the return is they're off at Keeneland. It was either stakes or graded stakes, and you're looking at a lot, you know, are they going to try and put him against Breeders' Cup horses for his return? No. So you come out to an allowance that's out here with a nice purse. But I really like that Pratt picked up the mount. And if he gets a stalking trip behind the six and the eight, uh, you know, he had that really nice gate work for his last work, or one of his last works. So I think he's good. The three to one price scares me. I understand why he's three to one. It's just there are a lot of factors coming in, but he does seem like he might be the most talented horse at this point that's in this race. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of agree with you, but I think he also deserves to be that price. A lot of these other horses, we've probably seen their best. He's the one or one of the couple here that I think have significant upside left. Um, and I, I think that's what we've got a good shot at seeing here is, is that upside. And, and you mentioned Pratt taking them out. I kind of love the Glatt put Pratt on board in this spot. Because to me, that tells you a lot about when a California trainer goes and gets one of the top jockeys in California. Man, this stretch is a mess at Keeneland. There's been like four horses five. How is this four going to win? It's not. No, nope, four is not going to win. I would say the four tried every step of the way to lose that race, and, and everybody behind them was doing the same thing, and they, the five finally got there. The seven tilted out and fouled the one and the three. <laughs> and Very hard. I was sitting there cringing because I thought they were going to wreck. Yeah. Uh, so a mess of a stretch there, but it looks like the five horse ends up getting the job done there. Yep. Um, yeah, to me, it's, it's one of those races where Traeger's got a lot of upside. And when you have Glatt, a California trainer ship across the country and you get Pratt, who I would say was established as a California jockey, right? Take that, takes that mount. It feels like this was almost planned that the goal, that the idea was, Hey, we're going to run this horse. We're going to get Pratt aboard. We're going to take on older CR. I, I think it's all systems go here for the two Traegers. So I, I like him quite a bit. I did go three deep. I ended up using the seven pro oxidant as well. Uh, Eddie Keneally horse. He's not been great at Keeneland over 14, but he does have four in the money finishes. So a little bit of racing luck that's gone against him. Pro oxidant beat chasing time as well. Another one in here that you mentioned two back at Churchill. This horse came off a long layoff last time, ran against stakes company that day, faced a back-to-back winner in coastal mission. Mish was in that race as well. So pretty good race there at Charlestown has had, I mean, has run okay at Keeneland, not absolutely phenomenal, but this to me is a lighter spot. Again, the last time we saw this horse at Keeneland was in the Commonwealth, which is a grade three, ran into Hear Me Sing, hoist the gold, get her number, all pretty good sprinters. Off the pace here is what I like about this one. You've got quite a bit of speed signed up. I think Pro Oxygen can sit in that fourth or fifth spot and get an early run and be outside of some of the traffic that you could see. Four-year-old later in the season, we've seen Keneally 19%. Uh, 48 starts, 61 to 180 days off the layoff. He's 18% with a positive ROA with Sias at Keeneland, 21% with a positive ROI with Sias everywhere. I, this is one of those horses where you've got three or four races that win this. 
And one of them was with Sai as a board, winning $100,000 N3X at Churchill, two back. I think Proxon's got a big shot in this spot, and I like the 8-1 to one price. I went back and I haven't moved forth. Um, and I haven't back, I went back and forth between this one and the one I ended up using, uh, in this spot here, because you make good points, but I just don't know the, the seventh furlong is what concerns me. I know he broke his maiden on debut at seven furlongs, but everything since then it's, you can point to a six and a half or you can point to six and the, the seven furlong spots are just a little too inconsistent for me. But again, I have him sitting right there in fourth, right behind the number nine, oh, Bezos. Oh, boy. I can't. There's one of those, there's several horses in this race and then the next one, um, that were, or sorry, the fourth race that you're like, that horse is still in trade. That horse is still running. Okay. All right. Oh, Bezos. Third start off of a very long layoff, missed 259 days. Um, but he comes back to a track where he's run well in the past. He was uh, third in that seven furlong Commonwealth uh, back in 2022. And it, I'm playing him because I think this is going to be a hot early pace. We've talked about that. I think he's going to be closing just as fast as anyone. I think he's got a very strong kick for what this field has. I love that Tyler Gaffleone's riding him. I just, if if Scratches ended up slowing down the pace, I'm going to take him out and probably put somebody else in, possibly this seven, because I think he needs a collapse, and that's why I'm playing him. I think he's going to be sharp coming out of the ACAC stakes last out, but I, yeah, he, I, he needs that pace for him to be successful here, Mike. Yeah, he does, and, and I, I'm my main reason I didn't use Obezos. I just don't think this uh, anything shorter than a mile is his best. And I, I agree with you coming off second off the layoff. I like that. You get Gaffley on the boards, who's ridden this horse to a win before. Did it at Churchill. You've got multiple races on the page that fit, but the problem is they're all at two turns, not at one turn. So you're going to have to see a, a significantly better effort. But at, at ten to one in a race that, again, like I talked about this in the open of the show. You can go a lot of different directions here. And this is another one of those races where if you like Obezos, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. If you want to take like, you know, someone like Chasing Time, I'm not going to say that's a bad pick either. Pain, not a bad pick either. I mean, there's a bunch of different directions you can go here. I ended up not getting there with this one specifically. Um, I looked at Dr. Oscar a little bit. Did you look at that mm -hmm. one at all? It's a pure speedball. Yeah, he's a pure speedball. If the eight isn't in this race, he becomes a lot more interesting. But he was beating up on Minnesota breads every time he leaves Canterbury and goes. I mean, do you look who he's facing at Oakland? It's six furlongs. Like he was okay, but Skelly beat the piss out of him. You know, there's a horse. There are enough horses in here. Someone can. Someone was pretty good at Oakland. <laughs> he was, but okay. The race before that at Tampa, losing to Sibelius. Like, come on. I mean, Sibelius ran second. Sibelius, I should say, though, Sibelius did go win the Golden Shaheen out of that. So that's maybe not the best example. <laughs> I just remembered that. I keep forgetting that because that was, it was one of those things where he, like, for about four months, Sibelius was unbelievable. And then I think the trip back kind of screwed him up. Anyways, uh, I did consider him. I just thought that this was too tough for him for what he's been facing and beating up on. Yeah. I mean, I... Uh... Look, I, I agree with you. I didn't use the six uh, just because of the other pace. And I think there's a lot of talented horses that are going to sit right behind it. I also am not sure where the two is going to be from an early pace perspective. If the two is going to try and be more forwardly placed or try and sit right behind the six and the eight, probably have a better shot if it just sits right behind the six and the eight. But we'll see how that plays out as well. I, but just, I mean, I wanted to call that one out because, again, I, you could make a case for six of these horses. Yeah, that was, uh, again, this is, this is kind of a mess. If you... You want to drop down, you know, one of our ticket costs or something, go a little bit deeper here. Wouldn't blame you uh, one bit. Let's move on. The third leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 28th, race eight, the grade three Brian Station Stakes famously won in the past by Balnikoff, picked by the man below me, 
because it's full to model ship it to keeneland and you got a nice price on them at that time uh we don't have that this case but we do have some interesting horses here uh i didn't go price hunting i went pretty cheap on i just i just ate chalk i think there's two very talented horses in here and the rest of them just kind of showed up where'd you go on top I did a little bit of both. I, I went uh, with a half and half pizza, half chalk and <laughs> half prices. Uh, look, Fair. more than looks should be your favorite. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, this is one of those races where you've got the best horse who's clearly going to be coming from off the pace, but has a ton of speed to chase. So the setup should be just fine. But a short price on a horse coming from off the pace, specifically with the way the turf course has been playing, going two turns at Keeneland, not exactly something I'm overly excited to sign up for. Uh, I do think more than looks is the best horse. I am putting more than looks on top. I'm going to go four deep, though, because I do like some prices. I'll let you talk about Talk of the Nation since you're obviously going one nine here based on your, your opening comment there. Yeah. Oh, first of all, uh, with, with more than looks, uh, he's this is the horse that if there's a single scratch out of the pre-entries for the Breeders' Cup mile, this horse is in the Breeders' Cup mile. But they very wisely went, oh, and then we see who's there. Nope, nope. We're going to go face three-year-olds at Keeneland. Like straight three-year-olds, and it's nobody that's really that scary except for the one. So yeah, I, I love that. Uh Johnny V and Shri Devo won the Raven run last week with Vava, who went voom voom voom. Uh Talk of the Nation. This is the one I think is gonna be leading off the turn. Just a matter of was he able to catch a breather on the backside or not. Since he switched to turf, five starts, he's got three wins, two seconds. He's never been outside the exacta. You just gotta hope and pray that with Jose Ortiz jumping aboard. He doesn't pull a King's Barnes in the Derby and go, 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 go. And he gets him to relax and breathe. Because if he lets the horse go fast, the nine's coming. There's, you are not stopping the nine from passing. If you catch a breather, you might have a chance to hold off the nine. Well, who do you think makes the lead? Uh, five. I think most stash probably goes. I mean, because yeah, the one has tactical speed slash wants to be first or second, right? So talk to the nation right. can at least use something from the rail. Dude in Colorado has never been successful if he's not first or second. So you'd expect he's going to show some speed. <laughs> he doesn't Smoky. pass jack shit, does he? He passed one horse once. Uh, Smoky Mandate. I think it actually is one horse once, too. Uh, Smoky Mandate, another one who has been forwardly placed every single one of the starts. Mostache, the five you mentioned. Every single success when forwardly placed, by the way, when Saez has ridden this horse, basically first at every single early call. Uh, the six runaway storm is dead dead speed, <laughs> like has no other yep. choice. Are you noticing a pattern? Like th there is so much speed. No, by the way, the 10 probably wants to go two from the outside of praise for Chad Brown. So uh -huh. uh, this is one of those races where it's I wouldn't be shocked if this is just an absolute collapse somewhere. And I don't know where talk of the nation sits. And that's what made it so hard for me to really get excited about talk of the nation is you're on the rail at a mile of Keeneland. There's not a lot of run up to that first turn. So, you know, talk of the nation is going to somewhat send. You've got four or five other horses. They're going to try and cross. And if talk of the nation gets the lead, I'm worried someone is going to get frisky on that first turn and not just let talk mm -hmm. of the nation kind of get loose. Right. And if talk of the nation doesn't get the lead, then all of a sudden you're in fourth or fifth, which is something this horse has never been in before. And all, you're trying to do something new and you're a shorter price. And so all that being said, I, I think talk of the nation has a shot, but the price is what concerns me there. I probably would never bet talk of the nation to win, although I understand why I'm using it and why you're using it here in a multi-race ticket. I'm going to go for two prices, and I mentioned all that speed. Give mm -hmm. me some horses that can come from off the pace. Because let's say more than looks get stopped, which is completely logical since the favorite is going to be in last. I think we can agree on that one, too. I mean, like, more than looks going to be last here. Yep. So let's see what kind of trip that horse can work out. 
I'm going to start here with the seven, my old buddy Worthington, 20 to one on the morning line, Mike Maker, uh, Gutierrez. I love me some Ray Lou. He gets aboard. <laughs> I get we need to improve. Totally understand that. I thought that last race was actually a decent step forward. Now, finish that day five lengths behind more than looks. Gonna get need to get better than that. But when you go back and you watch the race, kind of got steadied in the middle of the race, made a move, ended up splitting horses later in it, made a nice run. There's races good enough back, specifically the one on November 6th, 26th to Churchill, that if you improve off that race and you can kind of take a step forward here, this horse fits here from a price. And I like the fact that there's some tactical speed as well. I don't think that we're going to see Worthington as far back as we saw last race. I think you're going to see him attending, we'll call it sixth, maybe seventh there. And, and if he can get the rail and get sixth or seventh, and then you have this barrage of speed horses backing up and he's able to go less wide than more than looks, I could see a world where Worthington gets it done at 20 to one. So that's my first bomb. The second one, pretty much going against everything I generally say. I'm going to take an Asherson horse on the turf with Rosario up. And I was back and forth between whether or not to use this horse, but I'm going to use Gigante here, uh, 12 to 1 on the morning line. Last time out, faced a pretty good field, going a mile and an eighth. I think this horse wants the mile more than longer distances. If you go back, the mile and 16th wasn't a great race either. But if you look mm -hmm. at the last three efforts, it's a mile, two wins and a third. One, the grade two secretary to Colonial. I'm going to give this one a chance here just because there is so much of a possibility of a pace collapse. And I love the post position. Every other horse around Gigante wants to go. This just, he just inherits the rail around the first turn at whatever part of the race he wants to be. So if you want to be pocketed up on the rail, it's yours. If you want to be fifth on the rail, it's yours. So I, I, right now I'm expecting Rosario to do the right thing, you know, mm -hmm. fingers crossed there, but if he does, this horse is going to trip out from that perspective and will be more forwardly placed than the seven or the nine who's going to be coming from off it and projects to get a significantly better trip at a price of 12 to one. So I went with the two and the seven as my prices here. Uh, I have Worthington third and uh, Gigante fifth. Yeah, I, I don't hate these picks. Uh, as you started reading, I went, oh, he's right. This isn't Asmussen Rosario turf horse. Going, this is going two turns. Like, this is just... So anti-Mike. Don't bet. This is like the <laughs> epitome of the horse that I try to avoid, and yet you're getting price, a price. The setup is right. Uh, the trip should be perfect. Just don't brick it up, Rosario. Yep. Come on, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Worthington. I was laughing about if you remembered back in the early Derby Trail season, I would kept consistently reference Stars of Tomorrow two night at Churchill mm -hmm. Downs. Worthington, November twenty sixth. Yep, yep, I remember that. I remember that because he dominated that race, and, and Deer Secret, Deer District came out of that race to uh, run well and as a two-year-old and three-year-old, too. So uh, don't hate the picks. didn't use them, but uh, yeah, I understand why you have them on here. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those where if you... I, I singled late so I could include a couple horses here and a couple horses in the next that are, are big-time prices. Uh, Pedlo brings up... Could a praise be in front of nine horse, uh, the nine horse to make a first run? A praise. My issue is that the, this horse is rank and does not settle. Like I think, I think a praise needs some snip, snip. Needs to visit the old uh, Southern Barber, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, he's a little too uncontrollable in his early races, and I think that's it, it hinders him when he's facing this level of competition. I think they had it right early. I think he praises the turf sprinter. And, and that's that's really what he would be best at, mm -hmm. uh, coming from just off the pace sprinting versus trying to get a mile. And then you you combine that with, 
uh, this post is just brutal. I, I mean, uh, if you're a horse that wants to be forwardly placed that has issues with being ranked and you're the literally outside of six speed, I, I, just, I don't see any world where he's not three wide in the first turn at best. And that to me is just a recipe for disaster at Keeneland. The penultimate leg of the late pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, October 28th, race nine, the grade two Haggard Fiat stakes for 12 males, three and up plus two. Also eligible is routing a mile and eighth on the dirt. And this is the race I was saying. It's like the classic C squad. You weren't good enough for that. Don't even bother trying to pre-enter. Uh, but this is a good spot for you. A good purse. And I, to me, it makes this a good betting race because I'm going with a couple of prices. Where are you going on top? I mean, it's a definitely a good betting race. This is this is like if you if you go to the gentleman's club Tuesday at four in the afternoon. This is this is what you end up with. Um, oh man, if you have a big time opinion in this race, more power to you. I thought this one was an absolute train wreck of a race. Uh, film star logical on the inside, but man, there's a lot of speed in here. And they're like trademark nine to two is the favorite. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Nine to two seems about right. Like, yeah, I, I can't get there either. Um, I mean, I'm surprised I'm going here on top, but give me the eight law professor for Rob Atris, Florent Giroux. This is one where I feel like when you kind of break down what this horse has done since the Breeders' Cup last year, and then you look at who we are facing now. I think Law Professor makes a lot of sense. So wins nicely at Aqueduct going a mile and an eighth. Cuts back to a mile and 16th. Ends up at, in the Razorback at Oakland that day. Loses to last Samurai and West Willpower. No shame in losing to those two horses, specifically at Oakland. Comes back at Aqueduct, wins at a mile and an eighth. Cool, sweet. Goes to Pimlico, runs the grade three Pimlico special. Faces Rattle and Roll, who had been rattling and rolling at that point. Pretty good horse. Speed Bias was in that as well, who's back today, but... We'll talk about speed bias here a little bit later. Um, and then comes back, and I, I thought ran pretty good off a six-month layoff to run third. Zandon wins that race. Filmstar runs in second, just a neck back, but kind of attends to the pace and then tries to make a run. Can't quite get by. Looked really tired down the stretch. Looked like he needed the race. Now you're getting second off a layoff here. You're getting the right price at 8-1. to one. I, There's a lot of races that fit from Law Professor. This horse tries hard every single time. Uh, and I think the pace is going to set up well for him to be able to sit in that fourth or fifth spot and be able to come from off it and make some noise at the end. So I ended up with Law Professor at eight to one on top. So did I. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did I too. I did not expect we had the same top pick in this race. I only went too deep because I really dislike a lot of horses in this. And so I found two that I. I even used one that I still dislike. I'll talk about in a second. Uh, but you used both of the horses I did. Yeah, it is funny that this is the same top pick. But, you know, multiple stakes wins at this distance. Multiple graded stakes placings at this distance. Uh, it's Atris, right? And he's not being looked at by the Breeders' Cup, uh, you know, six-month-out committee. So I think this horse is plenty of pace to uh, to chase and, and run into. And, should you know, one thing you mentioned, too, Filmstar, who I'm not using, he was, like, He's peaking, right? Or he has peaked. He's at his level. Law professors come off the long layoff. Like he, you can project to improve off of that. To me, film starts. So I think you use the horse, so I can let you talk about it in a second. But uh, the other one we agreed on, such a knucklehead. And I hate this horse because he somehow won the Smarty Jones by three lengths while also trying to eat popcorn out of the grandstand. It's the goofiest looking run that he somehow still managed to win by three lengths. But Louis Size is bored that day. He hops back aboard Il Miracolo, and I'm going to use Il Miracolo as my only other pick in this race. Uh, I mentioned Saez, right? But here, 
let me talk about this. If you think the classic, you, you specifically, you think the classic's trifecta will be all three-year-olds. So three-year-olds are going to dominate the classic. That means three-year-olds in the dirt route division overall are better than the older males. This horse finished behind. Yes, he was behind him, but he finished behind Forte three times. That was your derby favorite. He finished behind Mage twice. That was your derby winner. Finished behind Archangelo, National Treasure, Saudi Crown, Dreamlike. Those horses... So much better than everybody else who's in here. Maybe not Forte, because I know he's got a foot thing and kind of got retired. But, like, those horses are all so much better than this. I, I'm like, he's... I hate this horse. He's such a knucklehead. But he fits. I'm going to use him. Yeah, I mean, I he's my second pick. <laughs> like, I kind of went back and forth on this one. Um, and, and he's never faced older. It's the first time he's going to face older. Generally not a great spot to take the first time facing older when you're a knucklehead of a horse and it's a field of 12 and the race is wide open. But once again, a lot of races fit to be good enough. I think you're Miracolo kind of on the upswing. I thought both of those races at parks were, were pretty good considering Saudi Crom and Dreamlike both headed over to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, that's who he ran second and third to. No one else can really say they run they ran third to those to two, two Breeders' Cup horses last time out. Uh, and I think both of those horses actually have a decent chance at the Breeders' Cup. Like they're not wild long shots in any of the spots. Right. So. I, I, you think you kind of have to respect your miracle. You mentioned Saez gets back aboard. He's ridden this horse twice. Both of those races I thought were very good, including career best effort. And that's Smarty Jones that you referenced. Uh, I could even make a case that the slop held him back a little bit last time. He's runs twice in the slop. Mm -hmm. That was the first time he was not good at all. That was in the Remsen. So, I mean, look, I, I don't love your miracle, but I do think he has a legitimate shot here. Um, so, so give me the seven and the eight as the top two picks. I did use Filmstar. We'll see if Filmstar races in this spot or not. Um, he's cross-entered, uh, what is it, uh, October 28th. I'm sorry. Yeah, October 28th at uh, Aqueduct race number 10. So we'll see if he ends up going mm. at Aqueduct or if he goes at uh, at Keeneland. I would kind of lean toward he probably ends up at Aqueduct, but we'll see. This was the only horse. Being a Linda Rice horse, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was the only speed horse that I felt had a shot. Um, and that was kind of why I ended up here on the one. You've got the inside speed. Horse should be able to go. There's a ton of other speed in here. There's a lot of horses that want to be forwardly placed. But to me, this was the one that has the chance of being able to go gate to wire. You mentioned Filmstar kind of at the top of his game right now. I kind of agree with you. I think we're seeing the, the best version of Filmstar. I don't see any reason why Filmstar would, be, would take a step backward. I think you're going to see one of those mid- high 90s buyers and if that's good enough to win then so be it last time second to zandon before that be constitutional lawyer has run really well in the last three races we know likes the distance two wins two seconds over five starts the last four all been at the distance first or second it to me one of those horses you're like okay yeah i'm, I'm willing to give film star a shot here especially if i'm willing to go four deep uh and i went back and forth if i was going to use the two or the three here is my price I ended up using the two. Give me Happy American. Um, 15 to 1 is the other horse here. And, and this one is, look, I'm a little concerned. It's a little bit of horse for course. Fairgrounds, uh, the two wins in the last two years, both came at that track, back-to-back -back races. Um, but, man, like, you look at who this horse has faced. It's West Willpower, Rattle and Roll, ran third. Rattle and Roll, Call Me Fast, ran third. Rattle and Roll, Call Me Fast, Pioneer Medina, ran fourth behind him. Art Collector, Will, West Willpower, spirit of medina are uh, like mr wireless these are pretty good horses like that's that's a fairly good group and now you're dropping in here and you're telling me it's law professor and Emilio Cole <laughs> that i have on top like it's fair this is a pretty big drop in class when you actually look who was running in those races and who's running now now 
going to have to get back to the form that we saw. But again, if Filmstar stays in and you've got horses like Dash Attack that want to go and you've got horses like Best Actor that want to go and they're posted to the outside, you've got Giant Game who's going to be forwardly placed. I can see this thing just absolutely collapsing. And if this thing absolutely collapses, I think it's the two or the three that pick up the pieces. And so for me, it was it was between King Fury and Happy American. I went with King Fury because I'm sorry, I went with Happy American because there's more consistent efforts. And mm-hmm. honestly, like if Happy American runs the Stephen F. Foster back, he wins by open lengths. And and he's 15 to 1. And I don't know if we can, but at the, that price, I'm willing to take a chance. And the other thing I gotta mention too, this is a mile and an eighth. You can close a Keeneland at a mile and an eighth. Mile and sixteenth is awfully tough because you have that short finish line. There is no short finish line going a mile and an eighth there. So I'll take a little bit of a shot with a horse coming from off the pace and use a two happy American. I understand your your case for uh, not wanting to use the three. Uh, Kenny McPeak has two horses in here, and neither one of them have Brian Hernandez Jr. on. And and when Hernandez is riding someone else and McPeak's got multiples, I'm like, that. how good could either of those McPeaks really be? So... Uh, King Fury, I understand passing over here. Happy American to me. I just, I, I think he's a fairground mile on the 16th horse, and and he's fairgrounds has that really long stretch, and Happy American is really slow early, and he's like Sadler's Joy on the dirt. And if you don't give him that super long stretch and horses that can't go the distance, I, you're getting a good price on him. He's just, he's just not a horse that's for me. Uh, did you consider the five Twilight Blue? Because I was interested in him. This is actually where Hernandez shows up. Uh, second off of a uh, 411 day layoff. Last time out, kind of dueled on the front with Dash Attack and then faded, but now second off the layoff. Dr. Tang was talking about him. Joe Sharp is usually quite better second time out. Um, it, what, what, did you consider this horse at all? I have him in third. Not really. Um, mainly because this is like I talked about how I, I feel like you got some of these dropping in class. I feel like Twilight Blue is stepping up in class here. I think this is a much more difficult race. And if I'm not using Dash Attack, then it's hard for me to then justify why I think I want Twilight Blue in the race. Another horse that wants to be forwardly placed, another horse that's going to have to face that early pace pressure and possibly be part of that pace collapse. Uh, the price is right at 15 to 1. I will say that. I mean, last time out was a dollar and 73 cent favorite. That was the first time off for a very long layoff. Uh, you can't knock the distance, has a win at a mile and a 316th over at Churchill Downs. Sharp second off the layoff, 21%. So I, I don't hate it. I just. It, the to me the, the the flow of the race doesn't benefit the one the five the four the eleven and the twelve and so it's hard for me to really back any of those horses unless I think a that they can get the inside which clearly is the one which is why the one makes the ticket for me um, or b that they're that I know we're going to get the best effort from them and I'm not sure that's what we're going to get from Twilight Blue but again like if you wanted to add Twilight Blue I think my ticket goes up to what. 72 to 90 bucks so it's not doesn't get crazy there and and to me i just let's say that put it this way if film stars out twilight blue gets a lot more interesting but with film star in i think it's tough for twilight blue, blue to be able to go gate to wire yeah that's fair he's the setup is is questionable you like him it, you like him in this spot with a little bit less pace but hey if film star scratches maybe someone else scratches things could look a lot different here one more like here to go well, in the late pick five quick, sorry go ahead Real quick yeah. question for you, because I, I think this is this is a little interesting. Let's say film star scratches. Mm-hmm. Any interest in gasoline? Beatley started hearing gasolina in my head. <laughs> um, I, the post, 
The post, I don't know about the post so much. Well, they're going to mile and eight though, right? Yeah, but that's still just as fast the turn as a mile and sixteenth. Who just is shorter? Let who's me size, see. Whose size is first call? That is. I was just going to look that up. This is his first call. Then I would dump Bill Miracolo and put gasoline on. I think. I mean, I, I, I it's would, got races to fit. I mean, if film star, if film star is out, I would add gasoline. Um, if if Saez ends up on gasoline, which I uh-huh. think said first call there, so you'd expect he would. But like to me, that that is an interesting horse to draw in. It's a four year old later in the season who's shown the stock curling horse. The distance shouldn't be a problem. Pletcher Saez at a big number. So I want to at least mention gasoline because if if we do assume the one's out, or if we if the one does go out, or anyone else. First call goes to gasoline, and that changes this field up quite a bit. All right. One last leg. Now we're ready to one last leg, and great point on that. Uh, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, if he, if if the one gets in, boy, gasoline looks a lot really interesting. All right. Final leg of the late pick five at Keeneland, Saturday, October 28th, the very last race at Keeneland until April, Mike. And boy, they saved us a good one here. We've got uh, 12 maiden two-year-olds plus three also eligibles and an MTO going a mile and a 16th on the turf course here. Lots of fun potential in this race. Where'd you go on top? I am singling to close this out because I want to be able to spread a little bit earlier. Give me the eight horse act of mutiny three to one morning live favorite. Uh, Shug McGahee, Flavian Pratt takes them out. Was the favorite at Kentucky downs and, uh, didn't really break wonderfully, was in the one post that day, ended up 12 of 12 and made a massive middle move and then couldn't quite sustain it to be able to get to the top two, Palm Tree and Committee of One. Committee of One comes back, wins next time out, so you already have a race where it's like, okay, that's a, that's a pretty darn good race. Uh, this, to me, is one of those horses that kind of wants that extra distance. It's a uh, quality road out of a mineshaft mare, so the Tomlinson number up there at 387, so very good there. Uh We've got a trainer who went stretching out from sprint to route, wins 21%. The dam won twice at a mile and an eighth, which means that we know the distance isn't going to be an issue here. Pratt gets the mount. And then the, the key to me here is I don't think the eight is as slow as we saw last time because you do have a horse in here who is lone speed on the five horse deadpan, and I have the five and third. But if you go back to that first start on the dirt, this horse showed a significant more amount of speed then that start on the turf at at uh, Kentucky Downs, where we know it's kind of a funky track, broke from the rail, a lot of different things that I think definitely didn't help Active Mutiny in that spot. I think Active Mutiny is a lot closer to the pace today. And I think that is what makes the difference here for what I believe is the most talented horse in the field, who is bred to handle the distance, who is stretching out first time on turf, the trainer that calls in Pratt to say, hey, I want you to take this one after having Ortiz ride it twice. I'm willing to take a bit of a shot here in a, what's a pretty wide open race here to try and close out the pick five. All right. You convinced me. I told you before, if you convinced me to uh, add it, cause I couldn't figure out why this horse was three to one. Um, but I also forgot the w- runner up horse and almost one uh, last out of Kentucky downs committee of one beat amidst waves who is going to be in the breeders cup juvenile turf sprint with one single scratch. So, in a missed ways, I think it was a heavy favorite in that race, too. So, all right, I'm adding the ticket onto mine. I still have a $72 ticket, but I reworked it, so now it's 50 cents, but I'll figure that out. But great points on the eight. Uh, I love that Jose Ortiz rode him first out at Saratoga, too, as well. That's a good sign. Uh, and for Sugar Horse to be 9-2, to two, a debuting two-year-old, you, don't, you just don't see that kind of price. No. Not on yeah. dirt, especially. Like, that's just right. very interesting when Sugar has that short of a price. And then it gets aggressive with the horse on turf as well, saying so it's the Kentucky Downs, and then this is where you end up. So... To me, kind of tips the hand there. 
Um, real quick before you get into the year, is Doc mentioning he likes the eight as a top pick as well. Uh, Motion Vasquez, Vasquez, give me all that 15 to one. I looked at the one for a while. I don't know if you use it or not, but I'm going to make mm -mm. a point against it real quick. We talk about this a lot. Motion, 11% first-time starters, over 102 sample size. Just two for 42 going over a mile first time out. That, to me, is one of those big scares. And then Oscar Performance, a horse that I, I absolutely love and has been much better going two turns. A mile of 16 starts to push it a little bit for me. He's also not been phenomenal with first time starters, just six for uh, four or just nine for 64. Second time out, Oscar performances have been better. So uh, I, I looked at the one for a while, but couldn't quite get there. Uh, sorry, Shadi's co workers in the chat. And is, yeah, Shadi's having such a fun day at work. She's making her co workers listen to us. So, hi, co worker. Uh, I I you touched. It. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah i wonder i wonder how we boy how did you out yourself too it's just yeah. uh, so amazing um like team player there definitely with the barber road thing you nailed my points why i didn't play the one here uh first time starter for motion going two turns and then you drew the rail and that's it's it's just there's a lot of things that are going to be new to this horse there and it's just not a good spot this is a tough spot for this this horse was like colonial downs well then it's not probably 15 to 1 either so i don't know uh topic for me number five deadpan at nine to two Looks like lone speed on paper. Uh, set the pace on debut before fading to third going this distance at Colonial Downs. Again, tough to debut at two turns, but ran a good third. The winner of that race ran second in the Grade 2 Pilgrim and is pre-entered for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, I was looking through these horses, the three horses that I did use at their pedigrees to see you know, what the, the family's like. This horse, full brother to Calibrate. Remember Calibrate? I do. Yeah, sadly, that's the most notable sibling this horse has. Hopefully, this becomes the most notable sibling. Yeah, but I do remember Calibrate. Uh, the dam is an unraced daughter of Dynaformer, so you're getting plenty of turf and distance influence there. Uh, she was unraced, but she was bought for 450k as a yearling by Coolmore, so they saw a lot in her. Um, next up for me, I went, I went all the way outside. Number 12, Mo Caliente. Hate the post. Absolutely hate the post, but he almost won last out. Having to go four wide in the first turn at Churchill Downs. He only lost by a neck. And if he didn't go four wide, it, it just a little bit cleaner trip early in the first turn. Based on the replay, you could easily argue he would have won that race. But it didn't happen. We're getting an upgrade to Jose Ortiz, good, who has good figures riding for Rusty Arnold. And the dam won the grade three Cardinal stakes going nine furlongs on turf. So again, turf pedigree and distance pedigree for the 12 Mo Caliente. Obviously, he didn't use either one of them. You want to make points for or against them before I give my last pick? Uh, look, the 12, Mo Caliente, I, I took a little bit of a look at. I couldn't get to the 6-1 to one price. I thought the numbers should be higher. Uh, Second-time mm -hmm. blinkers, I think, is a positive. But the problem is, probably going to be four wide again. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, I'm not sure the trip gets that much better. I love trip handicapping when a horse that breaks out of the 12 out of 12 is breaking out of the 3 out of 12 the next race, right? Because then <laughs> you, you don't end up in the same situation. I kind of feel like Mo Caliente could end mm -hmm. up in the same situation here. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, who was your other horse? Deadpan? Yeah, I, I like the five. I think the five is a shot at taking the field gate to wire. Like I said, third horse on for me. I used I had Vivaldi second, the Chad Brown horse, not very creative there, who probably shouldn't prove second time out, but don't love the post. And, and to me, that was the other issue. Like, I, I think the five is a little bit weak late, and I don't love the post of the 11, and so the eight made it easier to single there. Uh, my knocks on the 11 and also the four time song, which is Pletcher Saez and, and Rapoli, be like, oh, man, you definitely would want to use that one. Uh, Todd Pletcher, Chad Brown, where do they spend their summers? Is it at Churchill Downs? No. They're at Saratoga with their best horses. Where were these horses? Were they at Saratoga? No. 
They were in Churchill Down. They were in Kentucky the whole summer. These were not the A-listers, the ones that were ready to go right now. These were the ones who were like, all right, we'll just kick them, kick the can down the road a little bit, bring them along slowly in Kentucky. I'd be careful with the four. That was my fourth horse. I, I think Time Song could be interesting here because it feels like that was a horse Rapoli wanted to be a Breeders' Cup contender. Uh, or I'm sorry, a, a uh, Derby contender. Uh, you paid $375,000 for him. You started out at, in two dirt races. The first race, actually a pretty good dirt race. You have Awesome Road that won it. Then Stronghold, who won next out, was 10 lengths ahead of everybody else. Time Song run third and third. That last race, there was some trouble. Um, mm-hmm. and so we'll see what happens, but like, not this time, one of the, just one of the, it's a phenomenal sire has been absolutely, it's been wonderful, both dirt and turf, but a little bit better on turf, but turf routing 16%. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the four ends up picking up the turf and running a pretty darn good race in this spot. Last one for me, the six Domingo first time starter for Brendan Walsh, who's got pretty strong numbers at Keeneland, 24% winners in the last year. And also with Declan Cannon riding 26% winners in the last year. This horse is by American Pharaoh, so you're getting plenty of turf influence, which is a weird thing to say about a dirt triple crown Grand Slam winner, but that's what happens with American Pharaoh horses. And is out of a Thunder Gulch Dam who won a grade three race in Peru and also won a mile of 16th turf stakes later in America. Also, uh, a half to Helium. Remember, Helium, slightly better than Calibrate, won the grade two Tampa Bay Derby in 2021. And then also has a half sister that was a grade one winner in Peru. So I'm going to use the six. I think the numbers are good for this horse in terms of doing well first time out. And I like the 12 to one price. I, I was looking for someone that might be sneaky and overlooked. I think this is that horse. Uh, don't hate it. Um, I like that last work, 47 and change out of the gate over the synthetic. Um, not one that I gravitated towards, but if I was going to go deeper, I mean, like, again, mm-hmm. I, this is another race where I could make a case for the one. I could make a case for the two. I could make a case for the four. I could make a case for the five. I could make a case for the six. I mean, and I'm singling in the race. And it's none of those horses. So <laughs> it just tells you how deep and competitive all these Keeneland fields are. But I, I don't I don't hate to use the one there, 12 to one. Uh, this isn't a group of world beaters. I think that's yeah. the other thing. Like when you look through this, just there's no one that's, you know, run a 70 plus buyer and clearly is a very good horse or try to stakes race. Like you don't have a lot of those type of horses in this spot either. So if you're going to pick a race for a first time starter to win, this is not a bad place to take a shot. Dennis says he's horrified of Veracruzan. Dennis, I'm horrified that you like Veracruzan. I just, I don't like that horse one bit. Um, I don't know how McPeak gets him to improve without sudden magic transformation because nothing's really changing here. Same jockey. Second time blinkers angle, maybe. That's the only thing I can go with. Yeah, I mean, this is another one I think you probably need to cut back. Yeah. I I mean, give me a a nice little... Yeah, we'll cut back and then cut back to six furlongs on the turf, too. See what happens then. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about the late pick five, the final pick five at Keeneland until April. That's this Saturday, uh, October 28th. I'm stalling while I update my ticket here on the banner because I forgot to do that. Uh, but if you are watching on YouTube or uh, Facebook, take a look below. If you're listening on podcast, we'll read off our tickets one last time. Uh, my revised ticket for 50 cents, I'm going to go 145 with 129 with 19 with 78 with 56, 812, the Samich influence, $72, Mr. S. I'm going to play 50 cent ticket as well. Give me the 145 with 127 with 1279 with 1278 and single the eight to close it out. $72 for 50 cents. Boom. There it is. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening, for joining us. And if you are playing along, of course, put your tickets uh, down below. We'd love to hear from you and what you're playing. Even if you disagree with us, we'd love to hear from you. So let us know 
Uh, below, anything you want to uh, plug or push before we get out here? What are the Semo Bombs doing this weekend? Uh, we are going to Keeneland for Saturday. Friday and Saturday, we're going to have some Santa Anita action starting on Friday as well. So that'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we're starting to gear up for the Breeders' Cup, which is next week. And then obviously all hands on deck next week. going to be a fun week here at RacingDudes.com. We're going to have a ton of coverage wall-to-wall around the Breeders' Cup. I'm not sure if we're going to do anything for the draw. Are we do anything for the draw? Are we going to do a live draw show? Oh, yeah. We'll be we'll be doing probably live reactions. And there's always like the hour between Friday and Saturday and then between Saturday's races. Yeah, we'll be live for that. So a lot of fun stuff coming at you there for the uh, for the rest of that week. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then sports tonight. Uh, give me Josh Allen over 263 and a half passing yards. Uh, I also like the over in the game, 43 and a half. Uh, Buffalo's defense been awful since the injuries, and Tampa Bay's defense not great. Like a first period under here. Give me first period under Wild Flyers tonight. They can get that a plus 115. Um, and then there's one NBA game I like real quick too. Oh, I laid it with the Bucks. I laid the six with the Bucks against the 76ers because the 76ers are a mess. Uh, I like the Red Wings uh, and the Winnipeg Jets to go over six and a half. That was actually Papa Dude's best bet on uh, Dude's Bet Daily. But the Red Wings, they've looked really great. Uh, they're scoring a lot. The defense, the goaltending, eh, it's coming along. It's not there yet. So I think uh, plenty of goals will be scored tonight. Um, I'm still mad about the last game. Did you see what happened with the the thrown stick that was a no call that turned into yes. a? What did What did you think of that that little shtick that the NHL did with a, a face off every like 15 minutes and had every team playing in a single night? I only watched the Red Wings, so it didn't affect me one way or the other. I thought it was an interesting try instead of having them all start at the same time. They so that theoretically, like when one game's on commercial intermission, boom, you got another one to watch. So. I don't mind them trying it. What did you think? Uh, it was interesting. I like the fact that they did like a red zone s channel, but it's so much harder to do red zone with hockey because yeah. the play is so back and forth, right? And so like you can't be like, we're going to cut to this team entering the zone. Oh, they lost the puck. We're going to cut to this team entering the zone. Oh, they lost the puck, right? So it's yeah. a little more difficult to do that. But um, yeah, I, I will see. We'll see kind of how it plays out. I, I thought it was interesting. It's I'm never against trying something new. I mean, who cares? It's one night, right? And like the next night, there wasn't any games. But whatever. Like tonight, there's a bunch of games again. Uh, lay it with the Flames tonight too. I'll, I'll lay the goal and a half. The Blues are terrible, man. I've watched them twice tonight this year. We're we're really bad this year. It's not good. I didn't realize uh, you guys have Jacob Vrana, a former Detroit Red Wing, who. Yeah, a lot of talent, but they, unfortunately, he had a lot of uh, issues on and off the ice. So um, hopefully, it seems like he's cleaned it up. I, he was trending on Twitter. Apparently, he scored a really nice goal for you guys the other night. He did. Yeah, he uh, he got a nice goal. You know, we're, we're two two and one, but like it, our leading scorer has four points. <laughs> like that's it's not. It's funny if you look at the standings. You're like, oh, okay, let's see. Oh, the Blues have scored eleven goals in five games. That's not good. It's not good. The uh, Sharks also like historically bad, like epically, like like <laughs> Oakland A's bad this year. They are so atrocious. I I don't want to rub because you just said you got that your top scores got four points. Um, that sounds like the Detroit Red Wings up until this season. Uh, Alex DeBrincat has been worth the trade. Yeah, he's uh, been awesome. Seven games, nine goals, thirteen points. And I was texting one of my friends. I was like, honestly, one like. Was it 20 games, 25 games last year before any Red Wing had nine goals? Like, we just never had that. So, yeah, it's been nice to see finally get a goal scorer. Yeah. I am enjoying my uh, abs to win the number one seed in the West. 
they haven't lost yet so that's kind of fun so hopefully we can uh, we can keep that rolling as well it's it's been a fun little start uh we've got about three hours till the loki episode premiere have you been watching loki this season nope dude i've been too busy also i'm marveled out i'm officially calling it i'm marveled out mm, okay okay like i'll get to it eventually but i haven't watched secret invasion obviously i don't need to see it but like the last few movies have all disappointed me. I just. Yeah, Secret Invasion was terrible. See, no, I, that's just going to make me feel worse about this now. Well, the Loki first season was really it's probably the best Marvel show they had. So I'm, I'm willing to watch the second season. Plus, I like I like Owen Wilson and uh, in Middleton together. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, I agree with this, though. It's not as good as season one. We'll see. Tonight's episode supposed to be not that great if you talk to the critics, too. So we'll see what happens Sh- there. Shoddy likes to be grabbed a lot harder than that. I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, OU Kansas. I see I see Pedlo putting the plus nine and a half there. So that would assume you're playing Kansas. I like Oklahoma this weekend. I think they're going to keep rolling. Uh, this Kansas defense can't stop anybody. Like a light breeze would be able to score on the Kansas defense right now. So I'll take uh, Oklahoma <laughs> minus the nine and a half. By the way, Magic, do you know who the third favorite for the Heisman is? Um... Oh shoot! It's uh, it's that quarterback, um, Phil McCracken. It's Dylan Gabriel. Do you know why that matters? He's Oklahoma's quarterback that I bet at three hundred to one last year and have zero dollars on to win this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> so yeah, not so happy about that one either. That's exactly why I said that, Shoddy. Uh, by the way, Shadi's coworker had asked if there was a a place to go to learn about videos. We have a whole category. I put the link in the chat, but it's racingdudes.com. Just click on horses at the very top. A little drop-down banner will uh, appear, and there's horse betting 101. There's videos from Mike. There's videos from Aaron, Jared, myself, just all, all sorts of things. So go take a look. We've got it all archived in one link right there. So uh, you can go enjoy that one. We hope you enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the last Keeneland races until April. And, of course, make sure you visit racingnews.com for free picks every race, every track, every day across the country. Go Syracuse, the fighting Ricky Pasternak's playing tonight as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Chris Coward. He's at Summer Bomb 18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Due to bet sports was out already. Go listen to that. Blinkers off will be live later tonight. Any final words? Uh, fun fact. I used to try and uh, get the orange mascot changed when I was a kid. My dad was the uh, head of alumni for the Syracuse Orangemen. And so I would draw oranges. I made one called Uki that I wanted to rename their, their <laughs> orange logo for. I thought it was a phenomenal cartoon character, Uki the Orange. Did not take, though. Unfortunately, they, they stuck with their current mascot. Probably too similar to uh, Uki the Kooky, which they did not want to have to think about. <laughs> I don't know what that is. All right, I'll explain you off there. All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back here uh, Monday next week, which will be the 30th. So, yeah, the day before Halloween. We'll be back Monday uh, live reactions covering the Breeders' Cup post draws. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.